it's so good to see more of you coming back. It's very encouraging to see you. Now, let me, let me say to you, if, if you're here and you feel threatened, uh, that you need more space or something like to that, talk to us. We'll find a place where we can put you. We have other places that, that we will get you. If you want to be you know, in a situation where there's nobody around you, we can take care of that uh, for you. But it's just great to see more and more of God's people coming back to worship together. It's, you know, it is great that we can have the, the service online, but it's just not the same. It's not the same as getting together with God's people. I know the weeks that I was confined to watching it, there was just something I was missing. I was missing you. I was missing your interaction. I was missing the encouragement that comes from us getting together. And if you're watching us this morning online, please remember we have four different services that are going on. We have a service in here this morning, and also we have a senior service. And in the senior service, everybody wears masks from the time they come in until the time that they leave. And it's totally isolated, no interaction with, with anybody else except those that are in that particular service. So there's a safe place for our seniors to be able to come and to get together and worship the Lord. And then second hour, we have the service in the Family Life Center, and we have the service in here as well. So we encourage you, don't let fear keep you at home. Now, there are some of you, because of pre-existing conditions and issues that you might have, that it's best for you to stay home. And we would encourage you to do that. But don't just let fear keep you from coming back to God's house and assembling with his people. Yes, I'm concerned about your physical health. But as your pastor... I'm more concerned about your spiritual health, and I'm concerned about your emotional health as well. And if you had had some of the conversations over the last months that I have had, you would have those same concerns as well. So I'm glad to see all of you here this morning. Who would have thought that a little piece of cloth would create so much division. Who would have thought that it would have divided us politically? That it would have divided us nationally? That it would have divided us in our own state of Ohio? Or who would have thought it would have divided us socially? And unfortunately, it would divide us in the church. Who would have thought that Christians would accuse their brothers and sisters of being unloving and in some cases question even if they are really saved because they were not wearing a mask? And that was even before masks were required. Who would have thought 
that Christians would accuse everyone wearing a mask of being filled with fear or that those wearing masks do not care about surrendering the freedoms that we have in America. Who would have thought that science would be held up as almost infallible even when the scientists are constantly changing their opinions and even when there is disagreement among the experts? Who would have thought that churches in America would be told that they cannot meet or told how they can meet and what they can and cannot do in their services? While at exactly the same time, insisting that those who are demonstrating in the streets do not have to follow the same protocols. Who would have thought that Christians would accuse one another that disagree with them of not being informed or of being ignorant or of being just plain wrong? Who would have thought that Satan could move the focus of the church from worshiping, praising God, and evangelism to a focus on, are people wearing masks or are they not wearing masks? Who would have thought? A year ago, we would say, that would never happen. But it has happened. So this morning, I feel it important to speak to you and to speak to our body on the subject of being of one accord, of being in unity as brothers and sisters in Christ. The psalmist in Psalm 133.1 said it, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2, in verses 1 to 2, this, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. This morning in our message, it's going to be a little different type of message, we're going to do a word study. Now, this is one of the ways that we can study our Bibles is by taking a word and seeing how that word is used and its meaning throughout the Scriptures. So this morning we are going to look at a Greek word that's a compound word, and it's the word homo thumadon. Homo thumadon. Homo one, thumadon, heat. One, heat. It's, transla it's translated most places in the New Testament with the words one accord. 
You'll find that particularly if you're using the King James Version. In the ESV that we are using, you will find that most of the time it's translated one accord, but sometimes it's translated with some different words. And this morning, we are going to see that this Greek word is used 12 times in the New Testament. And of those 12 times, 11 of those times are in the book of Acts. Four times it's used of a crowd, a fifth may be part of a crowd as well, but the other times it's referring to God's people or it's referring to the church. And what is interesting is as we study this word, what we're going to see is that every time this condition exists in the church, something happens. Every time that people are of one accord, every time that people are of one heat, of one passion, there's something that happens. Uh, Daryl Bach has defined the word in this way. He says, being of the same unison, being of the same temperament, emotion of the mind, the principle of life, feeling and thought. It is an adverb which denotes the unity of a group and means with the same emotion, with the same passion, of one persuasion, of one passion, having the same desire, with the same mind, of one accord, with one mind, with one purpose, with one impulse, all together, unanimously, with unanimous consent, pertaining to the mutual consent by common consent, singleness of purpose, no schisms, no divisions, no divided interests, no discordant purposes. Homo thumadon refers to a group acting as one. It was a word that was used to describe the oneness that a group of soldiers have when they're attacked by an enemy. When the enemy attacks, the soldiers all what? Pull together. They have one focus. They have one purpose. They are of one heat. Now, it's important for us to recognize as we look at this, this word means that there is unity, not necessarily uniformity. We sometimes confuse the two. We can be unified with one another and yet have things that we disagree on. And as a church, we need to be in unity about carrying out the purpose that God has for us as the church. So we're going to look at this word this morning. We're going to look at all 12 uses of the word. And we're going to see what happens. As I said, 11 times the word is used in the book of Acts. It's used by Luke. Once it is used by Paul in the book of Romans. So we're going to start at looking at what happens when the crowd has one heat. In Acts chapter 7, and if you have your Bibles with you and you want to follow with me this morning, uh, we're going to be moving to a number of different passages throughout the book of Acts, and we're going to going back and, and forth in the book of Acts, uh, so you can follow along that way. The verses will also be up on the screen that you can follow. 
Acts chapter 7, in verses 54 to 60. And in the context of this passage is that Stephen has been before the Sanhedrin. And Stephen has been sharing about Christ. And we read beginning with verse 54. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged. And they ground their teeth against him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together. That's the word. Rushed together. That together Homo thumadon, of one heat. So with one heat, of one passion, one accord, they rush at Stephen. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Now, as we know, falling asleep is a term that's used in the New Testaments of Christians when they die because death is not something that we need to fear because we go from this world right into the presence of God. But I want you to see the crowd is of one accord, and what happens? Stephen gets stoned. It's kind of like the mob mentality. I did some study this week on the mob mentality. And as I studied it, it talks about when a group of people have assembled, and because they're emotional and angry about something, it only takes one act of violence to whip a crowd into a fury. Being part of a group can destroy people's inhibitions, making them do things they'd never otherwise do. They lose their individual values and principles and adopt the group's principles. This, this standard can seem to be a just and righteous one, since the mobs assemble after an act of inequality or unfairness, or perceived inequality or unfairness, and the communal emotion can make the cause seem even more important. Being in the midst of a mob can be exciting and powerful, and it can make people feel like they're invisible, that they are a part of a huge group, that they won't be detected or held responsible for their actions. You know, that's exactly what happened with Stephen. The crowd goes after him. But everyone in that crowd is going to be held accountable before God. You noticed they laid their cloaks at a young man's feet. That man's name was Saul, that we also know as the Apostle Paul. And all throughout 
his ministry, we see hints that Paul remembered that day when he participated in the stoning of Stephen. We see it true of the crowd again in Acts chapter 12 in verses 20 to 23. There we read Herod, who was king, was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. And they came to him, there we find the word again, with what? With one heat. They came to him with one accord. And having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes and took his seat upon the throne and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. The crowd is of one accord. And they get so caught up in it that they proclaim this king who is not following God that he is a God. And what happens? Herod was struck dead. One accord exists. A king is struck dead. We see it of the crowd again over in Acts chapter 18 in verses 12 to 17. But when Galileo was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul. Those words, united, attack, the Jews were of one accord. They were of one heat. Homo thumadon. So they made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal saying, this man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But, when Paul was about to open his mouth, Galileo said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or a vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it's a matter of questions about words and names of your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal. And they all seized Sothenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Galileo paid no attention to any of this. Right? They're together. The Jews are together of one accord, of one mind, with one purpose. And when they don't get what they want, what happens? Sosthenes is beaten. And the ruler just looks the other way. We see the crowd again in Acts chapter 19. Paul has been in the city of Ephesus. He has been proclaiming the gospel there. Matter of fact, Paul will spend three years in Ephesus teaching and training. 
Now, the crowd's getting upset with Paul because Paul's preaching is causing worship of the goddess Diana is her Roman name. Artemis is her Greek name, the god of fertility. Uh, they're selling their images. They're starting to lose money because people are converting to follow the Lord. It says, when they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Ar Artemis of the Ephesians. So the city was filled with confusion and they rushed together into the theater. There's the word again, the together. They rushed with one heat, with one passion. They rushed in unity into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. And even some of the Asiarchs, who were friends of his, went to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion. And most of them did not know why they had come together. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward. And Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours, let that sink in again. For about two hours, they all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So they're of one heat, they're of one mind, and what do they do? They worship Artemis crying out, chanting out for two hours. You know, I wonder what the response would be here if we gathered here this morning and we just sang, sang the same song over again for two hours in praise to God. I've been in some services and some Christian concerts where it seems like they're going to go for two hours with one song. <laughs> they're of one chord. They're of one mind, and they're focused on their false deity in crying out worship to her. So that's where we see the word as it relates to the crowd, to those who are not believers. Let's look at its references to the church. Going all the way back to Acts chapter 1, in Acts chapter 1, verse 13, the disciples have gathered together. They were told by Jesus to wait till the Spirit was to come upon them. Jesus has ascended into heaven. They're waiting on the Spirit of God to come. And we read in Acts chapter 1, verse 13, And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these with, there's the word, homothumadon, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. 
And then we skip down to verse 26, and it says, And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. So the church comes together, they're of one accord, one heat, they're one mind, they're praying together, they're seeking God's direction and will, and an apostle is chosen to replace Judas. Over in Acts chapter 2, in verses 1 to 4, we read this. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. There's the word again. All together, homothumadon, one heat of one mind. They're all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Jump down to verse 41. Because the apostles were preaching in the streets and sharing about Christ. And what happens? And those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. The church is together in one accord, and 3,000 people get saved and get baptized. I would say that would be a pretty exciting experience. I remember the day that as a church, we baptized 70-some people in one service and those of us who were here that Sunday will never forget that Sunday. Imagine 3,000 people being baptized and being added to the church. We jump down, staying in chapter 2, to verse 42 and through verse 47. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together... Notice, not only are they meeting in homes, not only are they meeting in smaller groups, but they are coming into the temple together, and they were breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They're of one heat. This condition of one accord exists. And notice, they're showing love to one another. They're sharing what they had. Some are even going out, selling their possessions so that they could help those who were less fortunate and those who were in need. This one accord brought about a love for one another and a focus for them. And as they do this, what happens? People are saved every day. 
Think about that. They didn't wait to Sunday to get saved. They were getting saved every day as the church was united in its purpose and in its goal. Let's jump over to chapter 4. Peter and John have been arrested for their stand for Jesus. And we read this. And when they were released, the Jewish rulers released them and told them, quit telling people about Jesus. Uh, Like that's going to happen. Where the apostles said, you reason for yourself. Should we obey men or should we obey God? They went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. There's the word. They're of one accord. They're all together lifting their voices in worship to God. And they said, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predetermined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. You ever been in a prayer meeting like that? Where the very building is shaken? Many earthquake there because God's people are together and they are in one accord. And they were all filled with the Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. God's people are in one accord. The place is shaken. They are filled with the Holy Spirit and with boldness. All right, let's go down to chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 12. And many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. All together, there's our word again, of one heat, of one accord. None of the rest dared join them. Well, they were afraid to join them. You know what's preceded this? Ananias and Sapphira lied to Peter, lied to God, and God struck them dead. Think that would get your attention? I wonder if someone came forward in our service and said something and they lied, and immediately they dropped over dead. That gets your attention? God is sending a message in the early days of the church. 
and they're all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. This issue of one accord exists, this condition. And what happens again? Multitudes are saved. Acts chapter 8, verses 4 to 8. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord, there's our word, paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that they did, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. There was much joy in that city. One accord, people coming to Christ, and they are in one accord, and it results in joy in the city. We could use a little joy in the cities of America. We could use God's people being in one accord, following him. Acts chapter 15 The church has gathered together the leadership of the apostles to settle a doctrinal issue on whether or not Gentile believers need to be circumcised and obey the law. And we read this. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instruction. It has seemed good to us, having come to, there's our word, one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. And they went off, and they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter, and when they read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. They're of one accord, and what happens? The church is encouraged. They are built up. They are empowered to carry out with passion what God has designed the church to do. And now we come to the last use of the word. It's in Acts chapter, or it's in Romans chapter 15, in verses 4 to 7. There Paul writes this, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. The Old Testament, what was written, it was given to us for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together, that with one accord, that with one heat, with one passion, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Amen. The church is with one accord, and what happens? God 
is glorified. Now think through. Every time the church is together and of one heat, of one passion, of one focus, something dynamic happens. The same is true of the world. Every time the world has this one heat, this one passion, something dynamic happens. Often for the worse, not for the better when it exists in the world. But when it exists in the church, God blesses his people. And God works in ways that bring glory to God. So my challenge for us this morning is simply this. Satan wants a divided church, not a united one. See, when we're united as a church, when we're focused, we are focused on carrying out what God wants us to do. But if Satan can get us divided and get us arguing about pieces of cloth and get us angry at one another and split into groups, we're focused on a piece of cloth rather than what God wants us to do. Maranatha Bible Church needs to be focused so that we glorify God so that we serve God, so that we pray to God, so that we worship God. There is enough division in our world. The people of God need to be of one heat, of one passion, of one focus. Are we going to agree on everything? Absolutely not. But we should all be agreed that our focus needs to be on God and carrying out what God has called us to do to his glory. And if we are united in that way, if we are of one heat together, I promise you, we will see God do dynamic things that we can't explain but it will all be done to his glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for how clear your word is. Father, I pray for us as a people, as a church, that you would pull our hearts together, that you would have us focused on worshiping, and serving you. Father, I pray for members of our church who are struggling with loneliness and fear. Father, I pray that your spirit will fill them and encourage them and strengthen them. And I pray, Father, that you would help all of us as a church, that we might be focused on what you've called us to do and that our Savior may be glorified. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.